Hello, the Cinemascope here. I'm Joe Brown, and today I'm back with episode five of the the Cinemascope podcast, doing another movie breakdown with my friend Antonio, who I met through Instagram. Antonio uh, is an editor on Waves, and today we're going to be doing a breakdown of Waves. I thought it'd be great it'd be great to have him on because he really knows that film inside and out. So uh, yeah, so if you want to introduce yourself, mate, uh, uh, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, love the page, love the Cinemascope. It's great. Um, I'm Antonio Diaz. You also might know me as Connor. Um, located in Barcelona mostly, and um, I'm the founder of Revicrit the online website revicrit.com and then you can also find me on instagram at reviews underscore criticas um and i am an ifr editor which means that um i'm able to join such editing projects such as the one i did in uh, a24's waves so i'm happy to talk about it yeah cool so uh, waves is uh, if people follow my instagram and anything waves people will know waves is one of my favorite films of 2019 i love a24 but waves in particular i thought was a uh, fantastic so just literally i saw his well we've liked each other's page liked each other's page for a while now and i noticed that he was in editor on waves and i did the movie breakdown and as i said i thought it'd be great to just shout uh reach him and uh he, he agreed to come on so um if so, you said you're from, so originally where are you from, mate? Uh, Barcelona. Yep. Barcelona. Um, from Barcelona, but studied in the States. Lived there, yeah, um, lived there, grew up there, and um, now I'm back in the States. So um, I went there for, for school and such. So, yeah. Cool. So have you always been an aspiring editor, uh, or is film your passion in life? Is it, is it the Instagram influence, and is that what you want to do if you want to give give the audience a bit of background on what it is you want to basically become or, or get to get to as a level yet? Yeah, um, so I kind of just wanted to talk about movies for fun. Um, I'm a huge film fan, grew up watching all the classics with my father, um, going to Spanish cinemas and such, and I wanted to try to tackle part of the filmmaking aspect, um, that side of things. So I joined in, I was doing local indie stuff. Um, a lot of my mates at the university were, you know, making their own feature films. And so I helped with some editing. And then what really got my eye was the color correction aspect of it. And so I started to work with, just for fun on the side with local filmmakers and eventually some pretty well-known Catalonian um, uh, filmmakers which is basically the province which I lived in and then eventually through my connections um, through a mutual friend of mine who was working with Brian McComer and Atticus Ross on the score for Waves they um, I eventually applied and got into doing a major motion picture and so I don't think that um, my future will be in color correction but if it happens to end end up in editing or in filmmaking in general, I would love to do that. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So, um, it sounds like, it sounds like to me, like if it, if the like, if your life direction went that way, went that way, you definitely take it in terms of being an editor and trying to be, make your way within the, the cinema, the cinema like realm, so to speak as an edit, as a well-known editor and be on films that if, it, if that opportunity yeah. came, you'd definitely take it. Yeah, yeah. Cool, yeah, very definitely. cool. So uh, if, if for just people who don't really understand what editing is or what you do, could you give yeah. us like a, a briefly explain what it is about it? What, what, what is it that edit, editors do, so to speak? Yeah, so um, we use various softwares called, um, such as Avid Media, Composer, or even some such things such as Premiere Pro, which a lot of people use to edit their own images, um, Filmlight and Deal, and so, I basically worked with primary color correction and color grading, which basically means is when you alter the color of an image by balancing black and white levels in order to make a consistent temperature throughout. Um, so in what an editor's job is to vary the look, especially a color editor, is to vary the look for the story that the director gives. Mm -hmm. um, and so I color correction is normally done before grading and that's probably what i focused on um yeah and so i'm so basically like the regular editors who are in color grading for instance um highlight colors through the scenes and waves um which i'm happy to delve into specifics or some um some individual scenes that i worked on 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but the color correctors, which is part of what I am, um, what, what I did was um, you want to make the chromas pop focused on the individual characters in order to highlight their experiences mm-hmm. and then therefore the audience's experiences. So um, have you, uh, do you have um, any experience, much experience with color correction or editing? Oh, I no, I I have nothing, mate. Uh, as <laughs> like I I obviously started this uh, only a couple of months ago, so the fact yeah. speaking to you and it's, it's it's all knowledge to me. And obviously, I I, I mentioned this in every single one of my uh, po- podcast episodes. The main aim for me is to educate my educate the listeners and educate the next filmmakers by getting people such as yourself, editors, fil- directors, actors who are going to provide knowledge and tips and 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 for the next people who are going to want to do that, so to speak. So whenever I'm doing these interactions and conversations, I'm, I'm going in as blind as anybody probably listening. So it's all really interesting for myself. So we, in terms of waves, I'll see that like, if any, if you, we're going to do, obviously we're going to delve massively into the film while we talk about it. And we're going to try, mm-hmm. we're not, obviously we're going to try and do it spoiler free as much as possible. Yep. You don't wanna, I don't want to spoil the film film, but it's a fantastic film. And you really do notice that the color, clearly has a massive emphasis on that film. And clearly Trey, Trey Edward Schultz, who's the director, has a massive uh, fixation on that for, that, for, for this film. So yeah. what, what do you think his vision for the film was in terms of colour? Like his primary, what did he want from it? Um, I think the main thing, the first thing he said to me when I, um, I got the, the, the privilege enough to meet him and um, interact with him on basically a daily basis, he'd send me some dailies and I'd have to colour correct everything they did for the day, whether or not they used it or not, was completely di- a completely different story. But his primary um, goal was to have color portray the inner feelings of the characters without them speaking it. So one of the principal characters, the main characters, at least for a large portion of the film, is going through this inner turmoil and the development or spiraling of his emotions is very much highlighted through the differentiations in the hues, um, the tones, the franticness of light fissures, for instance. So even in some scenes when he's you know, thinking things over and stressing out about a certain scene, um, you'll see a light flicker with an unusually tinted yellow color that's a bit unsettling. That's primarily, that's basically what I did. I tried to illustrate what the characters were feeling and how I thought that they would come across through visual storytelling but yeah you, you can definitely see that throughout the film and it you definitely notice it and how how much that plays a role within the film so just to for the listeners basically waves is about a suburban uh african-american family in in uh in in florida yes from in florida and it basically follows their family life turmoil uh, there's a tragic accident that happens and it's very much uh it's very different in the way that it's framed and the way that it's uh the narrative plays out it's basically almost two films in one isn't it because you have yeah. a, a central character at the start and then you have a, a a character is in the film, but then she then becomes the central character, and it's very much two films in one. And I I really enjoyed that aspect of the film, and I like I like I always like because you don't really see that nowadays when when somebody does something different within film. I always enjoy it, regardless of what it is, because it's different. Yeah, I, I, that can that can definitely be off-putting to a lot of a lot of viewers mm. who who see the film as one thing and then aren't expecting a drastic shift, not only in perspectives mm. but you know, tones, color hues, story elements, etc. So mm-hmm. I'm glad you appreciated it. Definitely. So if you'd like to just talk about uh, maybe or your, some of your favorite scenes that you worked on and uh, what yeah. you did, what you did for them, yeah. Yeah. So um, one of my my uh, the, one of my my favorite scenes that I worked on was actually in the trailer when Calvin Harrison Jr.'s character is um, with his girlfriend in the movie and. Um, you can, the, the director actually told us to model it off of the famous, famous scene in Moonlight where Mahershala Ali um, and the younger individual are, um, he's teaching him how to swim and there's the famous quote, black boys look blue in the moonlight. And so I focused specifically on their skin tone, making the, um, I almost had like a bluish hue to it. You had a purple night sky, which wasn't at all what it was like during filming. I was completely rendered online. 
Um, and the contrast of the screen cone to the background was very much color grading through a um, Spite software, which I used. And the girlfriend, for instance, has this um, orange nail polish on that really stands out in the scene, which I um, especially highlighted. And they, they pop. And so that was more chroma focused. And I really wanted to portray in that scene how much of the emphasis was on her beauty. Because um, in that scene, that was almost the one thing that, with not without any spoilers, that Calvin Harrison Jr. could latch onto. Um, and one of the big things that he latched onto was, maybe for better or for worse, was um, how beautiful she was, how much she, she, he cared about her. Um, so and th that, that, was, that was really one of my favorite scenes because it really portrayed this dark and gloomy mindset that our characters were in, but at the same time you had these rays of, of, of you know, beauty and uh, illustration of life's, like life's, how gorgeous life is through the embodiment of her character. And then um, another scene which I really appreciated was later in the film, completely different sequence was a sprinkler scene. Do you remember that when they're running yeah, through the yeah. sprinklers? No yeah. spoilers. Um, it was a mix of grading and black level. So again, I kind of followed in the same footsteps of it's completely at night. You have this dark environment. It's pretty heavy thematically. And yet you have these splashes and raindrops uh, or sprinkler drops that are almost yellow. Um, you have this yellow glow glowing uh, light surrounding our characters as they're running through it, kind of symbolizing, I look almost like an angelic some symbolism that these, these individuals still have sunshine in the darkest of times. And so that's what I was really going for. Um, when, yeah. Cool, very cool. Yeah, uh, I, I love them scenes, they're brilliant. Uh, one of my favourite ones is uh, once, so there is, a, I'm not spoiling anything, there is a tragic incident that happens and there's a shot, do you know the shot where it's um, it's like a head shot and, it, and it's like panning up, it's panning away and there's like flashing red and blue lights yep. going. Did, yep. you, did, you, did you work on that? Uh-huh, and um, that, that, one's, that one's a little more obvious because it's kind mm. of illustrating the sense of panic that our character's mm. in. Yeah. Um, these strobe lights, almost red and blue, um, almost like a cop car, which I kind of modeled off of. Um, mm -hmm. So that that was a very fun scene because he Schultz basically said, throw everything at the screen. Um, go beyond the traditional color gamut, which is basically a range of colors that color editors are supposed to stay in between. He said, don't forget that. Go, go all out do franticness and so i really enjoyed that neon and bright scene yeah definitely so it, so it seems like there's, there's quite a there's quite a bit of a crossover with lighting and and color if you get what i mean so so when it's these strobe lights with yeah. the color are you is that you doing that is that you doing that as well um so that's in particular it, most of the um the color correction is done on online so um post like post filming so how they filmed that scene was they actually had literal strobe lights, but they were white and black. And so they just on, go on and off. And so you'd have the flashes, which you can't really replicate through a computer or through an online system. And then I would basically color in those. Um, and they, they even had a disco ball on the set to you know vary the, the spreading of the colors and um, make it more frantic-like. So um, mm. we work very much in tandem with the lighting um, divisions, but the, I have a lot of respect for them because they're on on set and they're unable to see what the final project is going to be. They're just assuming that what they're doing right there will come across in the editing bay. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I, I, I found that very interesting because it seems like they would definitely cross over. So you work, with, you work, with, you all work with each other to create the end goal, right? What what Trey Edward Schultz is his end goal is what you're working towards. Uh, yep. Yeah. And and so he would he would would he be around you when you're doing it, or he'd want you to be specific? He'd want you to do a specific thing. He'd send you a specific tip, or 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 you try and have a conversation with him, engage what he wants, and then you implement your uh, skills into into the editing um he gave me a, this that's a good question he gave me this overall idea of what he was going for which i i appreciated um and then under some guidelines i could basically 
the Beat Liberties. So there's this uh, individual by the name of um, Cedric Wojak, who was the main color coordinator slash editor. And so he would get the daily instructions from Schultz about what this scene is coming across. So if we filmed a, a dialogue centrist scene with a mother and a father, he would give at the end of, uh, at the end of his notes, um, heartfelt, emotional, um, father filled with regret, those kind of adjectives yeah. and descriptions. Mm-hmm. And so I would kind of visual, I would have the liberty to visualize that through color. Mm, definitely. That, yeah, that's very cool. So uh, another thing from the film, it, it, it's very much for me a very visceral experience. It very much wants to put the audience into the film and feel what these people are feeling. So how, do you, how can you do that through what you do in terms of what is it, what are the techniques which allow, allow us to feel almost like we're in the movie? Because obviously that is such, it's, it's almost, is that such a hard barrier to break down and a very skillful one to, to, to do, to be, able to, to be able to create that and do it to a, a, a high level. And I, think, and I think Waves is one of the best that I've seen does it. So how is it that you can do that and put us as the audience, like I was when I watched the film, into the film and feel what these people are feeling? Mm, that's a good question too. Um, it's actually not as hard as you think because I'm looking at the scene as a viewer myself. I, I mean, I'm looking at as the scene plays on. Um, it's already shot and for the most part, uh, you know, structure, the editing, through the transitions between scenes already done. So I'm there to accentuate the emotions. So, but the, my job is to, in order to invoke those emotions on a visceral level, especially in this film through color. And that is sometimes a bit difficult when you're trying to gauge the audience's perspective. Um, I'm just one individual looking at the screen and I might, I might think that, oh, the way that the camera zooms up and it becomes less and less filled with blue to represent sadness, you know, and more and becomes lighter. There's almost a halo around her that might come across to be quite simplistic and straightforward in my mind, but the average viewer might not, um, come across with that. So I try to make it as universally resonant as possible, staying within certain, luminance and um, brightnesses that appeal to the visual eye. Um, There's some tips and tricks that definitely captivate audiences. So, um, you know, like the, the, the flashing, the, but a slow flashing of almost like a bulb going in and out of um, a light in the corner will automatically, no matter who's watching, capture someone's attention. And so things like that, you have to think, um, on a broad scale, which is very, very hard to do. But luckily for me, the acting is so powerful and the screenplay itself is enough to um, come engage the audience that um, I, it was a little bit easier for me that in this in this instance. Yeah, the, the, that acting and the, as you said, the screenplay in this film are, are out of this world really. I mean, I, I'm, I've always, I think Kelvin Harris Jr. is probably one of the, the rising stars to watch in, in Hollywood cinema right now. Uh, have you seen? Uh, have you seen? Sorry, to interrupt. Have you seen Loose with him? Yes, I have. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. great. I like. Yeah. I really like Loose, but I, I just think in this one is like people will not because obviously I knew a bit. I knew quite a bit of him before. I went into watching Waves and what what he plays. I think a, a quite different role in this film, and it's 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 very interesting. It's very good, and it's, I'm very conflicted about his character. So maybe at another Me point. Too. Yeah, maybe another yeah. point. Uh, uh, another point down the line, we'll do a spoiler. We'll do a spoiler one of these, and yeah, fully go into everything. Um, but um, he's he's very conflicting. Uh, another one to watch is Taylor Russell. I mean, she she she's really special as well. These are the two main the two main characters in the film uh, for anyone listening, and they really. I mean, they're they they're, they're acting with some of the big hitters in in Hollywood cinema at the moment with Lucas Hedges, Sterling K. Brown, yes. and yeah. they do. They do not. They do not fold under the pressure. They do not seem like they're not there. They definitely have. Mm-hmm. They definitely. You definitely feel for them. You care for them, and I think that is a testament to their screen. The screenplay that Trevor Schultz uh, creates, but also yeah. their acting and their facial expressions. It's it's it's, it's very 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 good. Mhm. Yeah. Totally agree. 
Um, and Trey Edward Schultz is definitely a, uh, an, uh, a director to watch out for. So his first film was Crusher, his second, It Comes at Night and then Waves. They're all real. I mean, they're all getting critically acclaimed anyway, but uh, he's definitely the one to watch out for in, in terms of young directors. Yeah, his, um, his primary color correction, or color grading on It Comes at Night, um, especially through uh, his saturation um, contrast between black and white was something that I always admired. So um, I was mm. thrilled to, to, to be on board with this film after having seen that. Yeah. Mm. To go back to the film a bit. So I find, mm-hmm. um, I noticed cause I've done a small re- movie reviews myself and this is quite a heavy experience. It can be quite disorientating at times. Did mm-hmm. you ever, did you ever worry that it'd be too disorientating for an audience? Do you ever worry that it would be too much for, for to, uh, that it not not it become annoying, but can be could that could become uh, displeasing, so to speak. Yeah, um, that's a that's a good point. The the first showing at the, um, a, a film festival in the states with, that I went to of the of the film at this at the strobe light scene, which we mentioned, which is very frantic. It can almost be disorienting. They had epilepsy signs going into the film in case of warnings. Several people walked out at that scene. Um, although I know it's re- um, received quite a bit of critical cl- acclaim, um, I was definitely worried about that. But Trey Edward Schultz was, he was very insistent on, at least from what I could tell from Cedric Wojcik, he was very insistent on to his guns and committing to what his, his, his vision. So that was the one part. I, I thought after that one there's one frantic scene that we're talking about, the strobe light scene, basically. And after that, I thought that, you know, the hues and uh, um, it's more chroma focused, um, specific, like specifying and focusing on one color to make it more or less saturated um, or like the, the hue be less intense or more intense. But that scene in and of itself is very disorienting. So I was quite worried personally that people would come out of it going, man, that color correction sucked. I couldn't tell what's going on. It was too intense and bright for me. Um, so I was definitely worried, but I'm, I'm thankful that I got to experience that commitment to his initial um, ideals and vision that, um, that I was able to come across. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. It is, it is a very disorienting team, but I think it needed to be for, for the, for what happens in that and what they're going for. And I yeah. find it very pleasing to hear you say that Schultz, he doesn't really, he wasn't really bothered about the, the critical perception of that because that's what he wanted for his vision. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, they want critical acclaim, but it's their, it's their project. It's, it's their baby, so to speak. It's their, like, they've done everything. They put everything in place to have it how they want it. So whether somebody doesn't like it, I think, you've got to be very strong-willed in that industry that if there's someone, not everybody's going to like your work. So um, yeah. the fact that he, I'm glad to hear that he stuck to his guns on that because uh, I thought it was a, a really cool and, um, and I love how that scene is basically, it's basically the shift between the two films, isn't it? Yeah. As it fades out and then it, it goes into the, sec- the second half of the film. And I, I really enjoyed that about that film, about that scene. Yeah. A24 is, um, maybe, maybe Annapurna Pictures, but is right up there with them. But A24 is probably the leader in um, allowing their visionaries to come give their stories and without much like inner hands on interference. So um, things like that, which are traditionally very risky and off-putting mm-hmm. the audiences, as you can see um, through some of the receptions online. Um, but I'm, so I'm very glad that it's it was from that studio. Yeah. Definitely, and I, I think I think they're the they're the they're the I, at the moment it seems like all actors are wanting to work with A twenty four because they feel like they they've got this freedom to to do what yeah. they can do and do what they yeah. like. I I like just there's so many I made like just to mention like so many A twenty four I love like the lighthouse. I mean that is just uh, so different, so so yeah. um, such an amazing film. Robert Eggers is a fantastic director, but he clearly just had everything at his disposal to create what he wanted. And I love the fact that's what A24 are doing for, for, for their films. And I, 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 they're, they're my favorite um, production company at the moment. I think they're awesome. Yeah, great. I, I would love to get a chance to work with them again. Awesome. Mm, cool. Yeah. Uh, just another, so the, just to, I'd like to hear your opinion on the music of the film. 
Uh, obviously, music plays a huge role. Um, Atticus Ross, Trent Reznor uh, score. They're obviously they, they do many of the major films uh, around right now, and they're, they're fantastic. So, just want to hear your take on what do you think the music represents in the film? Um, I I'm a bit biased because I have a friend who worked with Atticus Ross, and um, we're coming on the on the score. I I loved it, and the way in which it um almost seamlessly blends into whilst also sometimes being um like the undertone to the soundtrack i've really appreciated how um those two blended together well and also there are some points where it's very heavy on score slash soundtrack which can also be um off-putting i mean it's very centric um very score and soundtrack centric so i feel like they were under the same guise as um as the color correction team was so i very much appreciate it how did it work for you um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I liked it. Um, I like, I have this, I, th I think Waves is probably my favorite trailer because it plays Godspeed, Frank Ocean. And I just yeah. thought the, the color and like the way that trailer makes you want to go and watch it. God, it's, it is amazing. So like I watched, I, it's actually probably the, my biggest regret is not going to the cinema to watch the film. because there was a screening uh, like a, a small independent film screening, which I could have gone oh, to, wow. and, I, and I regretted it so much because I think I watched it a couple of days later just online with my girlfriend, and we were just like, "Oh my god, how have we not gone and seen that in the cinema?" Because it would be, it would have been amazing. But yeah, the music for me, I think it matches, um, it matches each character in the aesthetic and the aesthetic and the journey they go on and the aesthetic of the film. It matches where they are at certain points in the film. I yeah. think. Uh, which is it's a it's a similar dynamic to the color correction. It seems like you have to match how that character's feeling at that point or where mm -hmm. they are in the in, in the film. And definitely, I think the music matches uh, where each character is at every certain moment, and you definitely see that. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, so you can yeah, the, the, there's there's you know lighter tones um, during the scenes that are more happy or brighter mm. and. Um, Especially the sprinkler scene, I forgot what song exactly is playing during it, but um, I should know it because I replayed that scene over and over and over again working. Mm -hmm. But um, I, yeah, definitely love the use of definitely have the use of the score and soundtrack. Mm. And then to, I think my final point on the film, probably probably it could be argued the best aspect is the camera work because it's so different. The yeah. the like. Uh, one specific scene where the, oh, it, the camera moves around very organically, doesn't it? It's not, yep. it's not always in one place and it's always panning around. And so, yep. I mean, do, do you know how they filmed, you know, the scene in the car? Yeah. Like, yeah how yeah. do they do that? How do they do that? So some scenes were filmed in one three three one, Others were 1.82 to 2.35. And then others were 2.6, I think, to one. So three different aspect ratios that they used and they used Panavision Primo cameras in addition to you know to like the CDE series and the um, ultra speed Mickey's um, lenses and stuff like that so basically they used four different cameras for one for the wide shots one for the dialogue centric scenes one for the panning sequences especially like the ones in the sprinklers and the car and so they had a camera outside of the vehicle basically like a, a miniature gopro going around the car and then they would open the windows put the camera in the window and continue the sequence as it's one they did they did film multiple sequences of one take um and they do that they repeat that sequence um just with a different with a they repeat the camera spinning just with a different perspective and different hues in the in the colors as well so the camera work was incredible love it love it love it yeah definitely it's a uh, it's it's fun it is fantastic and it's so it, again i just think what waves is it's so different to what you see nowadays everything everything that it, i think it stays very clear of the common tropes that we see and i, mm -hmm. I love that about the film because it is so different the vision that clearly trade, trade with Schultz has is almost uh, future-like. It's almost it's visionary because he's, yeah. he's, he's almost seems to be ahead of the time, so to speak, and he's doing things that other people aren't doing. And yeah, I think, I think as I said, check, you must check out this film because it, it, it is awesome. I think uh, what uh, some people might appreciate listening to is like, did you, manage, did you meet some of the actors on set? Did you manage to meet, uh, speak to any of the 
any of them. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you spoke to Trey Edward Schultz. Did you speak to any of the, uh, the actors and stuff on there? Because I think, I think people like, like even because you obviously you're just a, it's not as if like, obviously they're all people, but it's, they're all walked into this industry where you're a fairly a normal geezer who managed to get onto uh, like a, a set like that and a, and a yep. big film like that. So I think people appreciate if you manage to meet people like that. Yeah. Um, so man, a lot of the technical team, um, like I said, mm. Cedric Wojcik, um, um, Brian McTurnan, uh, Brian McTurnan, sorry. He, um, they're part of the sound mixing crew, um, color correction, all of them. Um, but I actually did get to visit set for a two week period. I was in the area anyways, um, or only like an hour away. Um, so I did get to meet a lot of people. I met um, Lucas Hedges, which was very cool. Um, nice guy, do not think he remembers me. Um, Taylor Russell, Trey Edward Schultz, of course. Um, I actually communicated with him via a video conference a couple times, but we would mostly send emails back and forth and they'd be forwarding from my um, department head. Um, and then the, some of the supporting cast, uh, Justin Chan, I believe his name was, very nice guy. The set was pretty small. And what I particularly appreciated, and I heard that is the case with some of these A24 features that focus more on um, untraditional protagonists that aren't very much normally represented on screen. Um, it was more, uh, behind the camera was more diverse than I thought it would be, which I very much appreciated, um, probably due to the fact um, it was a portrayal of this African-American suburban family. Um, so it was very cool to be part of this set for, a, even if it was just for a couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, that, that was my experience is I, I, I had been on a big studio picture set before. Um, I was on the filming of Game Night. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that film. Yeah, I love it. Me too. <laughs> so that, that was very fun. I was, um, I was overseeing some editing as well there. But this was a more a smaller, centralized... Um, they said that they modeled or a type of production. They said that they modeled it off of the filming of The Florida Project, which was another A24 film. Awesome, awesome film. Love him. I, I, and some of the people from that film was actually on were actually on the set of this one as well to kind of give some tips to mm. um how the production would work etc the trade experience director um like the screenwriter for instance of a florida project gave his input on how you want a personal isolated story to come across on screen so it was very very cool experience yeah, you, you definitely see some uh, common themes between the Florida Project and Waves, obviously, uh, probably because they're similar settings and, and, and whatnot, but like colour yeah. color and stuff clearly have two massive roles yeah. in them films. So you definitely see the common yeah. themes, so to speak, in them films. So the fact that it doesn't surprise me that people that worked on uh, Florida Project helped on Waves because they're very they're similar in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So um, I, I think... I forgot to ask before. So how would, how would someone like, like anybody, anybody who, I mean, you probably have to do some film school and things like that and whatever, but how would people get into the work that you do? Get onto, get onto sets like you have and, and do them type of things. Like how, 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 how does someone go about doing that? Um, my, my personal recommendation has always been start small. Um, whatever you do, just, just start small, start doing it. If you want to review movies, start a blog, start a Instagram page and keep on, keep on sticking to what you love. But, and when it comes to editing, um, that does need a little bit of schooling, um, or even online classes, some fantastic classes online. You can learn a lot by yourself, just focusing on these, um, systems like, uh, Premiere Pro. You don't even have to do deal or assimilate scratch, for instance, which are some high tech, um, color correction, um, like film light, for instance softwares uh, but I was very much involved in the indie scene I got with a lot of local universities um, especially when I was in the states um, and worked with worked with them kind of honed in my skills practice enough so that I made contacts um, and then eventually once you get to the point where you've had that a bit of experience under your belt you have had done a bit of reviewing or editing and you know what you're doing basically just reach out send emails as much as you can you think there's a production 
that you see that there's an upcoming production for a local film that you know has a budget of a million dollars which is not that much compared to some of these big studio pictures but you know that might be right up your alley send your contact information to as many people as you can you might get 98 non-responses but two might respond to you saying hey we have nothing nothing for you but i'll pass your information along to so and so so it's those little steps i just i say just do what you love practice your skills make make sure every single time you work reviewing or editing you look at it as in would someone want to read this would someone want to watch this themselves is this x quality is this y quality and then once you get to a point where you think you've honed in on those skills reach out as much as you can um yeah very cool yeah, yeah do you have anything to add to 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 that like you know for aspiring reviewers or people who want to be in this movie scene like like you're... um um to be honest i think i'm still finding out myself like mm. that's why like i like speaking to people like you and and movie fest uk that we are like on instagram and things like that because i i mean i've only just started it and i think i think i'm still finding out the best techniques to gain traction and following and and, yeah. and you definitely got to have a love for it you've got to you you can't yeah. you can't be bored by it you can't not enjoy it because you're not going to want to do it and the fact because at the end of the day you're working to an end goal and you're working to try and make this career your career and at the end of the day it's not you're not going to gain any money from that for years it's got you've got to put the hard work into to get yep. what you want out so um yeah. i think i think i think that's relatable in a lot of professions but especially yeah. this one with it when it's, it's in terms of media and social media and like mm -hmm. It's um, it's about and definitely in terms of the podcasting. I mean, I'm educating myself all the time, watching other people do it, and trying to pick up tips. But it's about making connections and making networks. And yeah. if I if I can get sending emails, as you said, so if I can get a certain level of of of, of person within film, then they'll give their hopefully give their, give my details and information to somebody else. And what I have noticed is that everybody wants to speak about themselves at the end of the day. They want yep, to talk. They about do. They want to talk about what they want to talk about. So yeah. if I'm offering them a platform to do so, then great, because it's, it's aiding what I want and it's giving them what they want. So um, yeah. it seems to me that that's the way it's going uh, massively. Yeah. I, um, I also say kind of find your niche, whether it's, um, you know, reviewing or um, I really like this, um, the, the pod podcast that you have, you know, just focusing on these, these maybe smaller indie indie filmmakers or um, mm. films that want to get their um, voice heard and learning from them while you're doing it. So even if mm. you're doing color correction or editing, focus in on something that you're really good at. You're really good at, mm. um, you know, Spade software, for instance, focus in on that. See what you can do with the scenery if you're a background kind of guy or movie mm. reviewers. See if you're good at classic cinema and, um, and developing your points through, through a review. Yeah. So for really hone in on what you're doing and, make sure you have a love for it like you said definitely and i think i think especially within editors like how many like when a film comes out how many people do you see get on onto into editors get onto interviews to talk about the film they don't want to talk to the editors they want to talk to the actors and the directors and yep, the people like exactly. that so talking to your cinematographers you might not get a platform to say much talking to your editors who you might not you might not be able to get a say much and, and things like that is i think that's a bit for me especially it's very good to get into that maybe re that realm so to speak early because they're the people who probably haven't had much to say so i'm speaking right now to um he's called richard Molina, uh who was an editor on revenant uh and a oh, few wow. other cool. and then and a guy called stephen mirioni who he he's an editor from who won an oscar for traffic in uh, 2000, 2000 i think so uh, cool. i'm i'm hoping i'm hoping to speak to them next week and they're they're, they're i mean they I mean, that that level, just that level of editing, like that. Wait, if you get an Oscar, you're the pinnacle, you're the top, so to exactly. speak. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's what's great about this because I'm I'm so committed to giving people like yourself a platform and then giving people of that stature a platform and then actors who don't get to who are small time actors and filmmakers who've only got Vimeo Vimeo shorts. Like I'm all open to all this type of stuff. So uh, I mean, I enjoy it all. That's why I do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah, um, cool. So. Have you, got, have you got anything else I add about the film? I think, I, think uh, I, I really appreciate um, the podcast highlighting this film in particular because it is, it is, well, it did get some attention, critical acclaim. I mean, you know, it wasn't nominated for any Oscars. Not, um, well, it, was in, it, was, it was destined to just, um, it is a smaller budget film. Um, and so to I caution anyone who 
watches it to go in with an open mind, you might see, like I said, some some flashes or some color correction, um, even some musical cues that might be a little bit untraditional. Um, but it is from a perspective of someone who has a cl clear, passionate vision. Um, and that definitely comes across across um, on screen. And I hope that that um, my mind, Mike Holly Graydon did, um, especially the, um, I was really particularly proud of this one, like the density curves of green and blue. Um, mm. Uh, I fo focused it on um, saturation, brightness, techno mats, and stuff like that. Mm, so um, I really hope that whoever sees it does appreciate it. 100%. I just noticed I've even got my wave poster in the corner. Oh, yeah, there it is. Cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that poster is great. Yeah, it's cool. Very cool. Um, and then uh, actually, just, just off the top of my head, I mean, I think we spoke about waves, we spoke about this side of it, but um, in terms of Instagram and I think Instagram and a movie review Instagram page, I think, I think, cause obviously, hopefully, obviously I'll do, uh, like you, hopefully you will and I will, when we, I upload all of this and we'll share it all over Instagram and hopefully yeah, yeah. other, other movie accounts are uh, maybe not at the level that you're at. I mean, I'm not, even, I'm nowhere near the level that you're at yet. And it's about, gay, uh, how, how do you go about, gaining attraction and a following because and that's like as much as you love it that but the end of the day the goal of instagram is to gain followers and to gain a following to hopefully yeah. and provide you with a platform to then dis distribute other things that you want to promote so to speak so yeah. how did how did you start doing it and uh how did you gain the traction um we, we were talking a little bit before this but mm. um i i started when two two and a half years ago and um I was kind of just doing movie reviews of these, these, you know, the newest releases that were coming out. And um, it took me a year and a half, I think, to get around 2000 followers. Um, and I enjoyed it. I, I really loved what I was doing, but um, I wasn't looking at each review as a piece of education, as a learning tool. Um, and so around a year and a half later, I made a decision, conscious decision to learn and improve each review. Um, especially my writing. Um, so I took a little bit of a break from Instagram and started focusing on blog and honing in on my skills. I took some classes online just for fun to um, heighten my uh, heighten my, my my writing abilities and started my own website, which um If anyone wants to 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 visit it, but um, and I I was I was I will say a little bit frustrated with the the traction. So that's something that you just kind of have to ignore you might have nothing for a long time but out of a year and a half i still had two thousand people who were interested in what i had to say so it was a bit um the fact that my voice was being heard and um it, you know someone who loves movies allowing to allowing them to portray and um, illustrate their thoughts on films um and then there was i think i can't remember what it was i think it was my dark waters review a bit a couple months ago this small mark ruffalo flick that not that many people saw it got a ton of traction like a thousand something plus um views and three thousand reaches and um i was like okay maybe i'll stray away from the giant blockbusters and focus more on some some indie films and um i'm from spain lived in spain most of my life so um, I decided to, you know, maybe do some reviews in Spanish. So that got an entirely different audience to bring it in. So, and then over the course of five months, 10,000, four months, actually 10,000 more people started following my Instagram and I was at 12,000 and 20,000 more readers started reading my, my, um, my website. So from that, I really learned that it's, it's a niche market. You really have to hone in on what you're good at. Are you good in front of the camera? You know, make make short clips on, on Instagram. Do something that maybe someone else is doing, but add your spin to it. Um, like I, I now tackle uh, smaller films. Like my review tomorrow will probably be for this Russian horror flick called Sputnik, um, which, you know, not many people are going to see, but it's my desire to get those lower indie mm -hmm. films like Waves um a, yeah, a chance yeah. to to reach other people and people seem to appreciate that so i'm kind of that guy now who mm. has his own website and maybe he's good for 20 seconds in front of the camera mm -hmm. and writes maybe semi well but he focuses on these smaller independent films mm. which people seem to appreciate so um that 
was that was kind of my journey to to where I am now. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, the Instagram it's review critiquers, isn't it? If you, people want to yep. follow that, it's it's a, it's a brilliant page for the aesthetics. Really cool, and he provides really really great movie reviews for anybody that wants to listen. Everyone who wants to watch, and if you need things to watch, go to his Instagram page. It's fantastic. But so you would say. Thank you. So, so like, so you were just doing it for fun, obviously, and then you honed in on your skills, you got better at it. And then would you say, obviously, the, the reviews themselves are, are fantastic, but was it just, do you think that particular one that just out of, maybe out of sheer luck, just got the traction that you wanted and then you backed it up with, back, backed it up with consistent and high level, high level Instagram reviews, that's how you got the traction. But for that, what, you think it just takes that one single review to then yep. give you the following, yeah. Yep, it's a mixture. I, in my opinion, it's a mixture of luck, whether it's a blog or YouTube page, or or some or any any of them. It's a, it's a mixture of luck, and uh, a, dis- a conscious decision to not be rational. So if one thing works, don't immediately abandon everything you've done and f- follow that. Use everything that you've learned so far, and look at that as a case study. You go, okay, what about that particular one worked? It got twenty likes instead of or that one got 300 likes instead of 20. Um, what, what did I do differently? Let me, let me try to build on that. And so keep some consistency, but mm. make each of your, each of your projects a, a work, a, a learning, a learning piece of learning. Mm. And um, eventually, in my opinion, it is, it is largely due to luck um, <laughs> to, that, gets you, that gets you going. But you need to have a passion and you need to have a commitment to mm. what you want to do. Yes. Mm. Definitely. Uh, I suppose that brings a level of excitement, though. Each time you post something, you never know that might be the one, so to speak. And yep. if it, yeah. if if it isn't your if if your goal isn't so to speak, like it has to be done right here, right now. You're not going to be disappointed when that was happened. When it does happen, what a great satisfaction it will be because you've been exactly. working so hard for that to happen. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, it, it was it was frustrating for two almost two years to do to have you know nothing. I mean, there were. Uh, maybe a hundred people checking out my 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 post, which is like wow, a hundred people want to he- see my 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 thoughts. But still, mm. you you kind of frustrated at the lack of growth. But um, mm. I so I definitely recommend just sticking to what you love. Mm. Um, don't think about it as a as a as as look at your goals. Make short short term and long term. So say maybe mm. this post gets a hundred or fifty likes. Next post, I want to see if I can get to seventy or sixty. And mm. but with a long-term goal in mind, so a lot of people mm. go in with the mentality of this doesn't work after X amount of time. I don't mm. get Y amount of people to to sign mm. up. I'm quitting. I don't. Mm. I'm doing this for for the numbers. Um, mm. Then then I don't think it'll work out. Mm. Cool. Another question I wanted to ask: Do you think a you think there's a level? Uh, sorry. Do you think you gain more views from the offering a video as well so they're actually seeing you speak about it rather than so there's a certain level of like if you're writing about it you write about it, it's fine but you offer both within your within your mm-hmm. thing do you think that offers a, something a bit different to what other people offer in terms of uh, yeah. yeah yeah so and um, as a first glance it could be like a traditional instagram page that's accompanying a website which you can yeah. see all over the place tons of people have websites that accompany their or instagrams that accompany their websites but um me me behind the camera i think even even a podcast like it it's them hearing your voice it's mm. your personality that's coming through mm. um it's more personal um you can't make that you can't really make that stuff up um mm. the part of your your true feelings and uh sentiments towards a film come ring through um how do you feel how do you how do you feel on that definitely well i i i've thought about well I thought about maybe doing face-to-face reviews, and I spoke about it in previous previous podcasts with other people about uh, not. No, it's not fear that I'd get in front of the camera. It's just I don't know if I'm good at it yet. Um, yeah. So to speak. No, one, so, no one's good when they start. No mm. one's good when they start. No one's mm. good when they start. Yeah. So that's why I'm doing all these podcasts and stuff because, like, um, I'm getting the more I do it, the better I'll get it. And my end goal is to 
have a podcast which is going to be known within the, the film world and where uh, this podcast which is going to be respected by and known by indie filmmakers who want to go through it to distribute their films and talk about the films and know that Joe Brown the Cinemascope is the person to do that do that with because yeah. he's going to offer you a great platform to, to talk about your film and discuss different things so that's the reason why I'm doing it now and I'm, I'm doing fortnightly ones because the more I do it the better I get at it and I think yeah, I think exactly. And speaking to people within the realm of film, like yourself and, and other people, and more guests, and picking up these smaller and also the romantic idea is all these Vimeo shorts and things like that, trying to find the the big, the next big director before they broke it big type of things. Yeah, so like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So like, there's yeah. there's Vimeo have loads of fan, fantastic shorts and directors that haven't had their chance to have a feature film yet and if I can latch onto a, a, a podcast before then it just sends my like hopefully sends my um, yep. uh, what's the word notoriety a bit uh, uh, higher up because then I've got onto them before they've made it big type of thing yeah yeah that's that, that, that's awesome that's awesome but yeah yeah so that's what that's why I did it but uh, mate I, I've absolutely loved chatting to you it's been sick yeah thank you so much for having me we even delved into Instagram and uh, I think that's I think that's another and maybe maybe another thing I could even start talking about on the podcast and ste- segments and speaking. Like, yeah. There's so there's so many. It's, it's a great if anybody is interested in film, it's a great network to get involved in because everyone is so totally. everyone totally. wants everybody to do well type of thing. Like I'm just seeing mm-hmm. today, it, it's it, great. Yeah, yeah, so many people. Uh, but yeah, so for anybody listening, follow review critiquers uh, Antonio's uh, reviews are fantastic. They're really they're really great, and he's. He offers some really a, a beautiful aesthetic as well, which I haven't seen uh, other people use yet, and it's fantastic what he does. So, uh, any final yeah. words, mate? I just thank you so much for having me on. Um, I'm, I'm definitely going to promote this. Uh, I, I love what the what the podcast is doing. The um, mm. also being educational at the same time of promoting these independent filmmakers. So, um, mm. thank you so much for having me. I love, love, love giving waves any attention that it, um, it deserves. Um, if anyone wants to. You know, check out my, my stuff. You can go to revicrit.com. It's R-E-V-I-C-R-T.com. Um, and uh, I really appreciate it, man. Thanks for thanks so much for talking. No worries. As always, I'm Joe Brown. Underscore, follow my Instagram, underscore the cinema scope. I'm doing these every fortnight, getting different, different uh, filmmakers, actors, editors, all different people onto the podcast. So stay tuned for more podcasts and follow my Instagram page. Thank you very much. Cheers.